You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everyone, to another episode of Locked On Vikings, and welcome here to Draft Weekend. I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at LukeBraunNFL. The show is on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. You can find the show anywhere you find your favorite podcasts, like Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Himalaya, whatever you like, or you can always find this podcast by asking your smart device to play podcast Locked on Vikings. And today, kind of a big one, right? Big thing going on in the NFL world. In spite of uh, COVID-19 and social distancing and all sorts of other things in its way, the draft is popping off on time. And you are hopefully probably listening to this the morning of draft is going to be on at 7 o'clock central time. Uh, you can find, I'll, I'll try to link a bunch of streaming options in the show notes here. And uh, before I get into the main topic, there was actually a fun little rumor that I kind of want to mention that uh, broke on Wednesday morning that Percy Harvin, yeah, that guy, is looking to get back into the NFL. And I, I think that's a kind of an intriguing option because when he retired, it wasn't like a, like a Gronkowski retiring or now that he's coming back in, he's going to go play for the Buccaneers, which is also hilarious. Uh, you know, that's going to be, a, oh, you know, is he healthy? Was he washed? Uh, you know, it's not like somebody retired in old age. I don't know. How old was he when he retired? Was he, what, like 28 when he retired? Like he was not old and he's, I believe, 31 right now. So he's still very much of playing age, probably not the same dynamic guy he was in like 2010, but still a fairly intriguing option for someone to bring into camp. And I know that he still has a soft spot for Minnesota in his heart. I think when he got traded, he was angry in the first place. But if you actually watch, I'll see if I can't link this in the show notes as well. Uh, if you actually watch his Untold Stories episode he did with Master Tesfasian, who uh, works for, I think it's Bleacher Report now still, uh, he did a series of like these like heart-to-heart talks over a pool table with former NFL players. Percy Harvin did one of them and talked about anxiety and talked about weed and all that. And And it's also interesting because, you know, he had suspensions because of marijuana. That's not really a problem right now, at least not for the Vikings. He could still get fines and stuff, but uh, wouldn't miss any time. And I mean, there's no real way to know if he has the same, you know, juice in the tank that he used to, uh, you know, aside from like doing actual testing and bringing him in for an in-person workout, which is not going to be possible for a long time. So even if you are interested or not, like you can't really act on it probably until a little bit more of like society opens up. Uh, But it is an interesting thing to, to keep in your back pocket. I would love to see that guy come into a training camp and see if he can't do it still. So let's move on to the main point. There's kind of a big NFL event going on tonight. Uh, the, the NFL draft begins the first round, and then, of course, there will be more uh, drafting going on over the weekend. Uh, so you can also expect a show from me. Uh, if not tonight after the pick, uh, very early tomorrow morning, you can expect a show similarly after day two, uh, either Saturday morning or late on Friday night. Uh, and you can expect a show after day three recapping everything that the Vikings do, be it trades, picks, uh, you know, new acquisitions, whatever. There's all sorts of interesting movie moving parts, and I'm going to go over that in a second. But first, you know, know that this show is going to stay daily throughout the draft. And I'm going to do another one on Monday morning, uh, like I usually would, recapping kind of the whole thing and going over whatever undrafted free agent stuff happens. I'm sure that process is going to be a little bit weird. And then basically the next week to rest my voice and my brain. I'm going to have to take off. So you can just think of it as next week's shows being pushed up a few days so that I can cover the draft as it happens. That's eight days of podcasts in a row, and I hope you guys stick around for all of it. 
So here's the thing with the draft. Uh, you might be a little behind, right? The draft kind of sneaks up on you. There's been a lot going on. I'm sure a lot of you had to figure out how to do work or school from home. You have to figure out how to kind of readjust your life around what's going on. The news is crazy. There's a lot to pay attention to. And, you know, the Vikings offseason wasn't particularly exciting. There was a lot more bad news than good news. So if you checked out and maybe you didn't get into, as into the draft this year, I understand. And I'm here for you. After all, I am the kid you copied off in math class. So what kind of of friendly neighborhood nerd would I be if I didn't help you cram at the last minute for the test you didn't study for? So that's what this episode is going to be. So if you have been with me for the last few weeks, I've been talking about all kinds of draft stuff. We've done a prospect every day. We've done all sorts of principles and philosophies all the way to just like rattling off a million prospects like we did yesterday. Uh, and if you've been with me, you might hear a little bit of redundant stuff today. So this is more for people who, oh man, I want to watch the draft. I want to know what's going on, but I didn't do any study and I, I can't get my head wrapped around the class at all. Essentially, this is going to be for you. So there's going to be a lot of basic stuff that we're going to go over. That's kind of stuff we've been talking about a lot. So I apologize if you've been like super, you know, every day. I love you and thank you so much for, for listening to all this time. But some of this stuff might be a little redundant, but it still might work as, you know, kind of a refresher. Think of it as, as the, the review sheet that they always give out before the big test. So let's begin by talking about where the Vikings are at in the first round. Of course, they have pick 22 and 25. Pick 25 is what they naturally got for, for finishing in the divisional round in 2019, and pick 22 was the main portion of the compensation that they got for trading away Stefan Diggs. Of course, they have a fifth and a sixth round pick, as well as a fourth rounder next year that they also got for Stefan Diggs, and they gave up one of their four seventh rounders in return just to even things out. All in all, they have 12 draft selections in the 2020 NFL draft. It remains to be seen whether they will actually select 12 times. They did that last year. Uh, they could trade up. They could trade down. The Vikings have a propensity for trading down, and there's kind of a debate over which is better. I've gone over that quite a bit, and uh, the kind of thesis of what I've come up with is usually trading down is better because the draft is a crapshoot. There's a lot of randomness to it. There are busts everywhere, and getting more bites at the apple is probably better than than getting one higher quality bite at the apple. Of course, you know, sometimes you get a Julio Jones, sometimes it ends up being Robert Griffin III, but it's really hard to miss four times in a row, so you're probably still, you know, that's that's kind of where the value comes in when it comes to trading down. But in this particular draft, there appears to be this kind of talent cliff where after the 15th, 16th, 17th pick, once the big three wideouts are gone, once the big four offensive tackles are gone, I'll go over who those names are and stuff so you know who to watch for, but kind of once that tier of talent is gone, there's kind of a big drop-off. So if you wanted to, you know, see if one of those guys falls further than you think, they should, and then trade up once they get within striking distance, you could actually generate some value. And I went over, if you look for the podcast about the big four, Wirfs, Wills, Becton, and uh, Thomas... I go over kind of a formula for how to figure out if a trade-up is actually right and and if you made the right move there. So go check that out if you have time. But suffice it to say, trading down usually better. Trading up could be justifiable if somebody at a high enough value is, is falling down a draft board. So one of the things that I've been doing on this show every day is prospect every day. We go over a prospect late round, early round, uh, somebody that's interesting to the Vikings, somebody I maybe don't like so much, uh, somebody who's just interesting to talk about for whatever reason. Every day we've gone over at least one guy as the prospect of the day. Uh, and when I come back, you'll see who that is. There's been some rumor over who the Vikings are actually targeting. So I think it's important to talk about this guy. I haven't talked about him at all yet. So I want to make sure I hit on him. Uh, and when I come back, you will figure out exactly who I'm talking about. So I'll see you all in a second. Okay, so today's prospect of the day is 
Austin Jackson, offensive tackle out of USC. Now, I haven't talked about him much, but he's made kind of a late surge. I always saw him as kind of a, a, a second or maybe a third round, maybe even fourth round guy for a long time. Uh, that's kind of where I saw him in mock drafts, and so he didn't really catch my eye as like a must-talk-about you know guy. Uh, the Vikings are very interested in getting a young offensive tackle to kind of be the heir apparent to Riley Reef, and they're interested enough in that to spend a pretty high pick on it. So you can probably put some money in the bank on them drafting a tackle early-ish in this draft. Maybe not at 22 or 25, depending on what the board is, although that's certainly not out of the question. Maybe at 58, but I would be pretty surprised if we got out of day two and they didn't have another tackle. And so on Wednesday, I saw a couple of rumors and a couple of whispers about Austin Jackson maybe being somebody that they're very high on, and Austin Jackson being somebody that's like, going to go higher than you think. And so maybe he's a first round guy. So I figured let's talk about him because he really could be the pick for the Vikings. And uh, he, so he's a, a tackle out of USC and he fits the bill for what you usually expect a Vikings tackle to be. You know, think Brian O'Neill, very athletic, kind of raw. And, you know, the idea was for him to like learn behind Rashad Hill. Hill got hurt his rookie year. Brian O'Neill ended up being ready pretty quick, a pretty fortuitous outcome. We'll see if the same thing happens with whoever the Vikings draft. But uh, Austin Jackson has all the like functional mobility in the world. He can get from, you know, point A to point B very smoothly, and that's something that the Vikings really require. He also has a decent record when it comes to pass protection, as well as some pretty insane length, which is something that the Vikings, like, care about a lot. So it isn't very difficult to kind of start to wrap your head around why the Vikings would be high on somebody like Austin Jackson. He has the movement, he has the length. Those are the two things that they really look for a lot. He's fine in pass protection, though he did have some pretty bad games on his resume. That's kind of what had him sink to the third round for a lot of people, of like, you know, A.J. Epinesa kind of kicked his butt. I think Julian Aquara, uh, or what, however you say that, is, I, I think, kicked his butt. So there is some concern there with pass protection. And the hope would be either he's not ready to start and that's okay, you have Riley Reef, or he is and you kick Riley Reef inside the left guard, you've solved your Pat Elfline problem. And uh, hopefully, you know, Riley Reef takes that transition better than, say, Mike Remmers did, which according to Riley Reef's skill set, is probably more of an option than it was for Mike Remmers. Has a better chance of working out, though you still are in incurring some risk. So that's the prospect of the day. Uh, Austin Jackson could definitely end up being the pick. I, I wouldn't be shocked to see it. I don't know if I'd love it, but I could probably make my peace with it. But let's talk a little bit about the Vikings situation and kind of what goes into that thought process. So of course, the Vikings have, I think, three primary needs and a, a couple of other needs that are a little bit more uh, arguable whether or not they belong in that primary group. So I think everybody agrees they need cornerbacks out the wazoo. Right now, if they had to play a game tomorrow, they, they would be starting Holton Hill and like Chris Boyd. Or, or Nate Metters and like Mike Hughes would play inside or outside depending on what you did there. Like it's a disaster. That's completely unacceptable. So they need at least one corner, if not two, that is going to be like ready to play. And so some mock drafts have even had them going cornerback, cornerback. And I think that's actually justifiable. However, you also have this big glaring hole at wide receiver. Right now, the Vikings have Tajay Sharp, who is like wide receiver four on the Titans, and Ola B.C. Johnson are like the depth. And you have Adam Thielen and like nobody else who is even guaranteed to make a roster on other teams. So you desperately need some like NFL caliber, go get a wide receiver that can actually make plays for you. So we talked a lot about the corners and the wide receivers on this show. Uh, you can go to, I believe it was Tuesday's show, cover the corners. And there was a show, I think last week that covered all of the wide receivers. I believe it was the same show where uh, we talked about the unfortunate Tavares Jackson news. 
if you want to go learn more about uh, all of that stuff, then you can go to those two shows in terms of who is who. But corner and wide receiver are the ones that everybody agrees on, and then I think everybody also agrees, yeah, no, no, they, they need a tackle, right? Riley Reef is either not good enough or too expensive, and you kind of want to take a crack at having somebody develop to be either better than Riley Reef or as good as Riley Reef, but cheaper, and then you can shed that contract and use that money elsewhere. The other two needs I think that people talk about in like the early rounds is like at least defensible, um, if not priority, are defensive tackle, right? Shamar Stefan was terrible last year. They have Michael Pierce who replaces Linval Joseph, so that's squared away, but they definitely need like a penetrating three technique. You need the guy that Mike Zimmer used as his Sharif Floyd or his Sheldon Richardson. He did not have that last year, and it really did a lot of of harm to the pressure generated by Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter. You also need an edge rusher to replace Everson Griffin, though I think that might be of all of the things that could be solved in the wave of free agency that will follow the draft, where guys like Jadeveon Clowney are still on the market, Everson Griffin's still on the market, Darren Wilson came on this show and said never say never, even though talks had broken off. There might be some answer lying there, but edge rusher and three technique are kind of a thing. And then there's guard, where the Vikings, of course, have no Josh Klein. And of course, nobody's satisfied with Pat Elfline. So you definitely need a guard or even two to come in and, and compete or do something like that. Josh Klein is still on the market, though, and uh, didn't, I mean, get snapped snapped up right away. So if you don't end up getting a new right guard, you could technically bring him back. I do believe the door is open for that to be a possibility, though I definitely wouldn't uh, hang my hat on it. So there's quite a few needs, which usually means, you know, in most drafts, you kind of say, okay, are you going to go draft for the need, you know, draft the best wide receiver available, or are you just going to take whatever the, whoever the best player is? But because the Vikings kind of have needs everywhere, the best player available will probably address a need. So we don't really need to have that debate as vigor vigorously this year as we have in previous years. For my money, even without a large swath of needs, I do genuinely advocate taking the best player available or the, the most valuable player available, as I, I think it was Nick Olson put it on Twitter on Wednesday, was a really nice phrasing. You know, the most valuable player available, the guy that's going to come in and, and have an immediate impact on your team. And, uh, you know, you can figure out redundancies later. You can figure out, you know, how to get, if you have two left tackles, you can figure out who needs to move to guard. If you have, you know, two edge rushers, you can figure if, or too many edge rushers, you can see if somebody can move inside or see if you can do a rotation or something, you can kind of figure that stuff out. And then, of course, there are some strange trade scenarios that are going to be some headlines going into draft weekend that you should know about. The Vikings have been in talks with Washington about Trent Williams for uh, like two months now, uh, and I think they even had some talks over the course of the last season. They've been really interested in Trent Williams, uh, and it sounds like it's between them, the Browns, and the Buccaneers to see who ends up, end up, ends up landing Trent Williams, and it does sound like Trent Williams is going to get dealt on draft weekend if he hasn't already by the time you're listening to this. It would probably cost a first or a second to get Trent Williams. Personally, I kind of doubt that the Vikings are going to be willing to go that high for somebody that they have to then like pay. Uh, and that sounds like what's kind of been the, the holdup with getting Trent Williams dealt out of Washington in the first place. Uh, and I think that somebody like Cleveland could probably outbid them in that sense. So I don't think that the Vikings are going to do it, uh, but I certainly my jaw would not hit the floor. And the other one is Anthony Harris. Of course, he was franchise tagged on the first day of free agency and that gives the Vikings kind of three options. You could either play out the tag where he plays out his one-year deal just like the tag is meant to be. Uh, he negotiates a longer-term de deal, which is what the franchise tag was invented to enable, so you could, you know, uh, negotiate out a long longer-term deal, or you could deal him probably on draft weekend for extra picks and then clear off all that cap space. You'd go into the second wave of free agency with a hefty, like, $23 million uh, and at minus whatever you have to use to sign your draft class, and you could probably make some splashy moves and fill some other needs that way. 
However, the Vikings only have Harris and Harrison Smith are the only two safeties they even have under contract period. They have absolutely no backups. So you would have a really, really glittering hole there at safety and you'd need to get multiple, probably using the picks you get back from Anthony Harris to, uh, you know, select some depth. All of these things are in play over the first couple of days of the draft, and that's going to be really interesting, and they're probably going to be on the phone a lot trying to work out those deals. I say if day two passes and those deals haven't been made, then those deals probably aren't going to get made, and we'll, we'll know by the end of Friday night is kind of what I'm getting at. So I want to go over some of the more uh, important prospects to be familiar with. I'm going to rapid fire them here for the rest of the show, so do stick around for that. Okay, so in the first round is where I'm going to kind of spend most of my time here, because of course that's what everybody cares about. So the the three main needs that I really talked about, the, the other reason that they're kind of the three main things that most of the time get mocked to the Vikings is because there's three pretty deep positions in this draft. There aren't a lot of defensive tackles in this draft, so that three technique need is a little bit more difficult to fill. And I think it's kind of the same thing with edge rusher. The edge rushers are far less exciting in this draft than they were, say, I think last year was a great edge rusher class. Or maybe it wasn't. I actually don't remember that well. But suffice it to say that the wide receiver class, which is crazy deep and everybody understands that it's deep, that basically I, I think that there's like 10 or 12 people that uh, I think one of the major draft analysts said they had 12 wide receivers with a first round grade. They had uh, a lot of teams have, you know, 10 to 12 receivers that they would take in the first. And, and these guys won't all get taken in the first. So you're going to get people that teams have a first round grade on who are available in the second. So a lot of people say, hey, you know, get a tackle, get a corner in the first. And then whoever comes to you in the second, you know, you're going to have a first round grade on them. You'll be good. Good. The tackles are kind of headlined by these four guys at the very top, arguably a fifth in Josh Jones, and the wide receivers are headlined by three guys at the very top, and then nine guys who are kind of the second tier that nobody should be disappointed at. You know, they, they aren't second tier guys in any other draft. There's just these three crazy dudes that kind of uh, overshadow them. And then for my money, there's five corners that I would take for the Vikings in the, the first round, though that is a very highly debatable group. And after the kind of consensus top two, then it all gets really muddied and everybody has their own opinion. So let's go into the tackles first. The the four guys on top are Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa, Jedrick Wills out of Alabama, Andrew Thomas out of Georgia, and Makai Becton out of, I think it was Louisville. Again, I did a podcast where I went into their actual evaluation. So if you want more depth, uh, then go listen to that. But suffice it to say that for my money, I think Jedrick Wills is the most uh, pro-ready prospect up there. I think he's the one that I would probably take first out of the group. Uh, Andrew Thomas has a lot of potential and doesn't have to make you work very hard to get there. Tristan Wirfs also is just this athletic freak that fits the Vikings very, very, very well. And the Vikings are actually reportedly really, really high on him specifically. And so that would be a possibility. He's going to go before the top 10. So you would have to probably trade both first round picks to go up into the top 10 and get him, which is a little uh, a little rich for my blood. Uh, and then you have Makai Becton, who is a little bit more raw and a bit more untested in terms of the actual uh, scheme he he played in required less like true pass sets. It required things that don't rep re resemble uh, NFL snaps or simulate NFL snaps as well. So it's a little bit more difficult to tell if he's good or not, but he also has like all this athletic freakiness. So if he is raw, he might be worth a first rounder anyways. All these guys are probably gone by pick 15. After that, you have Josh Jones, who is a great zone fit. The Vikings are pretty high on him. Uh, he's a little bit rawer than the other four, but not terribly so. Probably not rawer than I would say Brian O'Neill. But he's a pretty polarizing guy because of his him kind of being scheme limited. But the scheme he is limited to is the one the Vikings run. So the Vikings won't care about his scheme limitations, but he kind of goes, but it's a matter of do you have to pick him in the first or will he be there in the second? Because all of the men 
teams aren't going to care about this guy. You also have guys like Austin Jackson, who we talked about, Ezra Cleveland, who is another athletic freak, but has quite a bit to learn and would definitely not be ready to play day one. And I I don't think you'll see uh, any other tackles outside of that group go in the first round. Could be wrong, though, because, of course, COVID-19 has made it very difficult to gather data on all of these players. Uh, There have been no pro days, of course, so everybody's either sending in video pro days or just foregoing the drills altogether. Everybody ran kind of partial combines because a lot of them thought that they would do certain drills at their pro days and for whatever reason decided that was a better strategy. And so you have a lot of impartial data on people. The Vikings are actually using ghost numbers where they're looking at other, uh, like, tracking data and trying to simulate what a a player would run in a three-cone or whatever, which is fascinating. Uh, And and then, of course, it makes it more difficult to meet with the players. You can't do facility tours. You can't, you know, look a player in the eye and shake their hand and get a sense for their character and all that stuff that teams like to do. Uh, And so you have a lot more subjectively watching tape. And that's going to mean that it's going to be especially hard to predict this draft. But for my money, I don't think those tackles, uh, I think those tackles will comprise, all of the first round tackles will come out of that list. I doubt anybody else creeps in there. The wide receivers are headlined by three guys, uh, Jerry Judy out of Alabama, Henry Ruggs, also out of Alabama, and CeeDee Lamb out of Oklahoma. Ruggs ran a 4-2-7, and he can run a route, and he's this, like, crazy explosive guy. CeeDee Lamb is a little bit more, he's better than Cordero Patterson, but kind of in the same style of Cordero Patterson, where he's a lot of, you know, jet sweep type stuff, and can kind of house anything, and give him a screen, and make it, watch him make explosive plays. Uh, Jerry Judy is a more traditional wide receiver, and far and away the best traditional wide receiver in the class. Beyond that, you have Denzel Mims and Justin Jefferson are my next favorite two, two guys who are a little bit more traditional. Justin Jefferson has a little bit of a problem releasing. Denzel Mims has a little bit of a problem with cerebral heady corners where he doesn't like deceive them enough and make them think hard enough. Pretty easy stuff to fix and sort of minor nitpicks, and I think that they're both easily first round wide receivers. You might hear something about Denzel Mims and uh, a limited route tree, though he had such a good time at the Senior Bowl where that, if that were a problem, it would have shown up more at the Senior Bowl, and he killed the Senior Bowl, and I think kind of answered that question. You then have guys like Brandon Ayuk and Jalen Ragor and KJ Hamler, who are these kind of like short, uh, kind of squeaky, almost Percy Harvin types, probably not as good as Percy Harvin, but that kind of player where you put him in the slot and watch him, you know, break a bunch of ankles and they're fast and they can, you know, also be deep threats a little bit, but they're like kind of short and maybe have problems with like physicality. And then you have uh, guys on the other side of it that are like big body, you know, not exactly the most explosive athletes, uh, but guys who are, you know, big body and can run routes and can generate separation in just a different style. That's T Higgins uh, and Michael Pittman. And then there's also LaVisca Chenault, who is uh, maybe the most explosive athlete. I mean, he's this absolute athletic freak, uh, but doesn't have a lot of the polished tools quite yet to be able to make something out of that. So that's the wide receiver class in a nutshell. I feel like I'm forgetting somebody. I don't know. Yell at me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL if I forgot somebody. I'm sorry. Uh, but that's at least most of the wide receiver class that you're going to have to pay attention to for the first couple of days. And then let's talk about the corners, because the corners is where the Vikings, I think, are really, really going to be locked into taking somebody. They kind of have to. So you start with Jeffrey Okuda. He played for Ohio State. He was an absolute island, a total eraser, Uh, mirrors really well, covers really well, uh, very sticky, good at ball skills, good zone instincts, everything you could ever want. He's going to go in the top five. There are some rumors that he might slide weirdly. I don't buy them. I think there, you know, it's there's a lot of smoke that goes around this time of year of teams trying to convince other teams to trade a, trade around. But he's far and away the best corner in the class and will probably be out of reach for the Vikings. The next guy that'll probably go is CJ Henderson, who is very, very fast, but has some issues with physicality and some issues with actual like motor where like on run plays, there's too many examples of him like 
very deliberately taking a playoff. And I think for that is going to be like a deal breaker to Mike Zimmer. I definitely don't like it very much. And uh, I, I think that whoever takes him is maybe falling too in love with a 40 time. And uh, is it, it's very difficult, especially when you can't like investigate that as a character concern. So there's a lot of risk involved in him, but he is the consensus second quarterback cornerback on a lot of people's boards. Then you kind of have a cluster of guys. There's Christian Fulton, who I really like. I think he's a very sticky man corner. He's again, not the best in run support, but it sounds like uh, he's also had, uh, he had a, a, a positive PED test and some medical issues. And it sounds like the Vikings haven't been as in on Christian Fulton as they have on the other cornerbacks in this class. Jeff Gladney might be their favorite. He's 5'10", but he doesn't play like 5'10". He can break up deep passes at the catch point all the time. Uh, if you are worried about him being 5'10", know that he, he is functionally, he plays a lot bigger than that. And he's been tested deep a million times. There's also AJ Terrell, who came from Clemson. And you might remember him if you watched the, uh, the championship game, the NCAA championship game, where he got absolutely dusted by LSU. Uh, but don't let that dictate your perception of who this guy is. He's actually like the steadiest Eddie of all corners. And, and that's really what you want with a corner is somebody who can be really reliable from play to play to play to play. Uh, and then there's also Jalen Johnson, who I think is also another like really good steady corner. He's got uh, uh, some other medical questions with his shoulder. And I, I think that might sink him a little bit further down the list. But I also know the Vikings are pretty high on him. So those are the three you're really picking from is Gladney, Terrell and Jalen Johnson. There's also uh, Noah Igbenogany, who is uh, another kind of like freaky athlete, but really raw. He played wide receiver all the way up through college and then he, he uh, position swapped. So he has a lot of new that he hasn't uh, learned yet. And then there's, of course, Trevon Diggs, brother of Stefan Diggs, who might go in the first round. But for one, I don't know if the Vikings are going to be interested in him because of all the drama surrounding Stefan Diggs. I personally disagree with that. I say get over the personal stuff, take the best guy. But if you were to say, okay, we'll take the best guy, Tre Trevon Diggs, who is an absolute beast and a bully at the line of scrimmage in terms of press coverage, which Zimmer absolutely loves, but he doesn't quite have the balance in terms of covering uh, inter intermediate and deep routes and uh, has some issues with backpedal and footwork. He's he's kind of raw, and a lot of people say he's probably not ready to play day one and therefore doesn't really uh, fit the needs of the Vikings right now where they need somebody to go replace, you know, Holton Hill or Chris Boyd or whatever, like kind of right now. They need, they need a starter, and I don't know if Trevon, Trevon Diggs might end up being a better corner in the long run than like AJ Terrell, but he won't be a starting corner faster than AJ Terrell. So they'll probably be more into the kind of safer, more responsible cornerbacks. Elsewhere, there's guys like Javon Kinlaw, who might uh, be, he's, he's a defensive tackle, uh, the kind of the, the only three technique that I think should be taken in the first round, except for guys in like the top five, like Isaiah Simmons or whatever you think he is. He probably won't fall to the Vikings, but if he did, he kind of represents that like best player available, you know, just take Sheree Floyd, even though you really need an offensive lineman, that kind of thing. Uh, there are also guys like Cesar Ruiz, who's probably the guard you would take in the first round if you decided to take a guard. All in all, the tight end class is really, really poor, and the Vikings are almost certainly not going to be involved in the quarterback class. They just extended Kirk Cousins, and they have no intention of parting ways with him midway through that contract. They're very high on Cousins, and, and they do not think that they, they need to go draft a rookie to replace him. So you can probably safely ignore the quarterbacks. 
there's a lot of other rumor and conjecture and stuff. And, uh, you know, when the Vikings at the end of the night, when the Vikings have selected, you can come right back here to Locked On Vikings, where we will have all the information you could ever want about those two guys or one guy if they trade down or whatever happens. We'll talk about it. So that is going to be it for this episode of Locked On Vikings. That is it for our pre-draft coverage on Locked On Vikings. Next time we talk, there will be new Minnesota Vikings to talk about, God willing. So, uh, in the meantime, of course, you can find me live tweeting the whole thing at Luke, at Luke Braun NFL. Uh, the show is on Twitter at Locked on Vikings. The show is available anywhere you find your favorite shows, or you can just ask your smart device to play podcast Locked on Vikings. If you want to know more about late round guys, listen to yesterday's show. Again, there's a cornerback, a tackle and a wide receiver special, and you can go uh, peruse through all the prospects of the day too. If you want to just get a, a more random smattering, I will see you all tomorrow or maybe even tonight if I'm excited about it. Uh, And in the meantime, take care of yourselves. And as always, skull.